Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. We're sitting here this morning because we believe that uh, a man we believe to be God came, lived on earth, died, and then he came back to life, and he lives today. That's why we're sitting here this morning. I hope that's why you're here this morning. We sometimes rush past the stories that we've heard this morning already about how difficult it was for those who followed Jesus when he was living on earth, how difficult it was for them to move from the crucifixion of Jesus, the death of Jesus, to his resurrection. Uh, and, and it wasn't easy for them at all to make that shift in their thinking, in their mind from Jesus, the one we love, the one that led us, the one we thought was going to bring in a new nation. This man that we followed and gave our lives to was killed. And it was hard for them to shift in their thinking that this one they thought they had lost forever was again alive. The text is clear. You cannot miss the fact, the truth, that everyone who followed Jesus struggled with his resurrection. There wasn't a single one of them who embraced the living Jesus easily. And I think possibly we have the same problem. We celebrate the fact that Jesus died for us, but sometimes we struggle with him living today and living for him, that he becomes our resurrection. Look, you heard it already. The ladies who rush to the tomb and Jesus is missing. Where is he? They're crying. They're weeping. They're still in sorrow. Said, so not only have you killed him, but you've also stolen the body. What have you done? What's going on here? And when the two angels stood before them dazzling and looked at them and asked them the question, I love this question, why are you weeping? <laughs> why are you crying? And this, this piercing question from the angels to the ladies, why are you looking among the dead for something that's living? Why do we look for dead things? Why do we look for the, for the dead when what has truly happened is, is that he's alive? The angels say just clearly, he isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Remember what he told you in Galilee. And all the, they rushed back to the disciples, to all the ladies, there's only ladies with all the spices. They ran back. The Bible tells us in Luke that they ran to the 11 disciples and other of those who had followed him. And they said, we, have, we, we believe Jesus Christ has, has risen. The Bible tells us in this very uh, heart-piercing truth was that they didn't believe it. None of the people who followed Jesus believed that he had risen from the dead. They said it sounded like nonsense, absolute nonsense. They didn't believe it. Peter, Peter ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered and saw the empty linen wrappings, and then he went home again, wondering what had happened. Peter wasn't convinced quickly. Even having seen the empty tomb, he ran back and wondered what had happened. Peter kept Jesus as a dead man, not the risen Savior. It took him a long time. We see him again. He, he sees Jesus on, on the beach. 
And Jesus says, feed my sheep. But he, he wasn't still completely convinced even then. It took time. It's those two who were walking away from Jerusalem. They were walking away after Jesus Christ was crucified. They were, they were walking towards a place called Emmaus. And Jesus appeared to them and started walking with them. And they didn't realize it was him. And he asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk? <laughs> the Bible tells us that they stopped short. That's what the Bible says. They looked at him. They looked at Jesus and said this, you must be the only person who doesn't know what's happened. <laughs> says, haven't you heard about all the things that have happened the last couple of days? Jesus very sweetly asked, what things? The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. And we really thought he was going to be the Messiah, the one who was going to rescue Israel. So in this, at this point in their thinking, he's just a prophet and a teacher. He's, he's not the living God. How does Jesus respond to him? He says, you foolish people. And Jesus then continues and shares the prophetic word, everything he had told him before he, he died. So you remember, he was going to die, he was going to rise again. And then he, he said, here I am. They broke bread together and they realized, oh, this is Jesus, the one we thought was dead. And so they rushed back. They went back to then receive the Spirit of God so that they could follow him. This is all we know about these two. Others. We're in disbelief. When, when Jesus then appeared to, to all the 11 and to other disciples that were meeting together, they were scared. They were bewildered. That's what Luke, Luke 24 says is that they didn't believe. They were in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder, the Bible says. <laughs> they weren't so sure. They were kind of excited. They were hoping it was true, but they weren't really sure. And so Jesus said, here, touch my hands. Touch my feet. See the scars. And then he said, give me something to eat, <laughs> which, which I think is kind of funny. Here, I'll eat something just to prove to you that I'm not a ghost. <laughs> and so they gave him a broiled fish, and he ate. And they just watched. I, I, the picture that I have in my mind and what I see here is that they just stood there watching Jesus eat. Still not really sure. Jesus faithfully taught against, remember what I told you this is going to happen? It's going to die. It's going to rise again. He says, there's forgiveness of sins for all who repent. Because Jesus is alive. Most of us, unfortunately, live, though, as though this is a fairy tale. As though this is nonsense. We live sad, doubt-filled, hopeless lives. Often swimming in a pool of fear. Because we don't live the resurrection. I'm convinced that we pause in our faith at the death of Jesus. We stop there. We, we might even trust his death on the cross for salvation, but not his resurrection for life. The idea of someone paying for our sins through a cruel death somehow makes sense, even though this is also mind-boggling. It's hard to imagine that anyone would love us that much, that they would be punished for, for our sins, that they would accept death 
Some of us have accepted that in our lives and said, okay, I can, I can accept that Jesus died for me. But we don't have enough faith to believe in his resurrection and live that daily reality in our lives. Jesus is alive. That should be life transforming for you and for me. Today's celebration is about the fact that a man we believe to also be God came, lived on earth, died, and then came back to life and lives today. The step of faith we need is to embrace this miracle and let the living Jesus alter our lives. He completely altered the lives of the doubting disciples. Can we move from the resurrection as fairy tale or nonsense to reality in our hearts? Can we move from the historical Jesus, remove him from being just a prophet and a teacher to placing our faith in the living Lord Jesus Christ? That's, that's the invitation today. Can we stop looking for life in dead things or things that are doomed to eventually kill life and place our faith in the one that lives eternally? Can we stop walking away from Jesus in deep sadness and sorrow? The one we think is only a prophet and a teacher and turn around in faith and accept that Jesus is God. He is alive have our minds blown, be filled by the Spirit, and live with a new purpose directed by living God. That's the invitation. The fact that he lives today should be life-transforming for us. It changed Peter's life. Peter, who before the resurrection is a disloyal coward, stands post-resurrection before big crowds of Jews and delivers the first Pentecost sermon that we have record of. Listen, Acts chapter 2 records his sermon, Acts 2, 14 and following. This is the first sermon of the Peter that we've been hearing about today, who is now this bold, bold, very qualified preacher who quotes the Old Testament. Who ever thought that was possible? An uneducated fisherman. And he shows and teaches people there how this was all prophesied through the Old Testament. Now we see this prophecy that moves us to the resurrection. And this is the first thing he says to everyone there is because the Holy Spirit had descended and it seemed like everyone who had received the Holy Spirit was drunk. <laughs> the first thing he says is, listen, guys, these people are not drunk. That was the first part of his sermon. That was his joke intro to his sermon, I guess. Guys, these people are not drunk. All right. As some of you are assuming, it's 9 o'clock in the morning, so it's much too early for that. That's what he says. <laughs> and then if you just keep, you keep reading through this, his sermon is incredible. Look at verse 21. Actually, if you have paper there, it's on there. Verse 21, he says this. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. Listen, Peter is not pulling any punches in his sermon. This is not the timid denier of Christ anymore. This is their salvation in no one else, only in Christ, is what he's saying here. And he's saying, you guys, because this was foreordained by God, to allow lawless Gentiles, you killed them, you put them on a tree. You crucified him. You killed him. But our tendency, and I'm sure everyone standing there is just trying to wrap this in our mind. Our tendency is to pause here in our walk, to pause here at this verse that Jesus Christ was killed. And sometimes we, in our church doctrine, we pause here as well. We love the cross. 
and we're deeply moved by it. We sometimes even wear the cross, or we, we make artistic interpretations of the cross and hang it up in our houses and our churches, and we, we love the cross. We wear it, we highlight it, we collect it. And it, there's something really wrong with that. We need to do this and remember what an extraordinary sacrifice we made on our behalf. We need, to, we need to remember what Christ has done. Matter of fact, the Lord's Supper, which we're going to have later today, is remembering. We're asked, Jesus says, remember what I did, that the body and blood of Jesus Christ was sacrificed. This is really what the communion is all uh, about. But verse 24 of his sermon, Acts 2 verse 24 says this, But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. His sermon did not stop at the cross. His sermon went to the resurrection. And we have to shift in our thinking from Jesus, the dead Jesus, to the living God who wants to live in our lives today. Listen, it changed. The Holy Spirit, the living God, changed Peter's life. That's why he's preaching so powerfully on that day. One theologian said this, something huge happened that day. Suddenly, however, forever turned this cowardly Peter into bold believers proclaiming a risen Messiah. They were willing to be tortured and die for this man. The resurrection changed everything. And Peter was never the same. We see this. He continues to be this on-fire preacher of the resurrection. So much so that... The, the leaders of the day were irritated with him. It says here in Acts chapter 4 that they were disturbed and annoyed. That's why they arrested. Peter stopped, started getting arrested because he was preaching the resurrection. This famous Acts 4 where you see this declaration recorded. He says this, Acts 4 verse 12. Peter, boldly standing in front. He's been in prison. It's the next morning. He slept that night in prison. The next morning he stands up in front of them boldly and says, There is salvation in no one else. You wonder if that night the Holy Spirit just kept reminding him. Remember, <laughs> you're here for a reason. It's okay to be in prison because there's salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. We're told that those who were listening to him that day were amazed at what, at, at what they knew. And they were amazed at how bold they were. That's what the Spirit of God does in our lives. Let's continue, though. Let's go back to Acts 2. His sermon. His sermon. Now the Spirit-filled, the unlearned fisherman now quotes and interprets Scripture to make a case for the resurrection. He says, David was looking into the future and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection. He was saying that God would not leave him among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. He said, listen, you read David one way, but this is how you should read David. David said that Jesus was going to die and he would not be left in the grave that he would rise again. God raised Jesus from the dead, verse 32 of Acts 2, and we are all witnesses of this. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand and the Father, uh, right hand, and the Father, as he had, had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see here today. This has been prophesied of already. What is happening today is what was already prophesied. Jesus sits at the right hand, stands at the right hand of the throne of God, and his spirit has been poured out. And this is the evidence of it. The resurrection is the evidence of living God, the evidence of what God has done and continues to do. 
We have a living and growing faith because we belong to a living God who continues to plead for our lives. God has overpowered the chains of death. Jesus pays for our sins. He gives us the gift of forgiveness, but also eternal life. After the resurrection, Jesus sits at the right hand of the throne. Jesus is sitting there right now. He is pleading your case and my case in the ear, the one who has his ear. He is speaking our case, your case, my case today, right now. He's speaking our case. Everyone knew how important that right hand of God was. Everybody knew that. That's why, that's why we have this awkward story in Matthew 20 of, of James and John and their mother going to Jesus before he died and said, listen, if it's okay with you, wanted to know if my, my sons could sit at one at your right and one at your left, if that's all right. So we, we know, we know they knew this was an important place to be, that right hand of God. And they wanted to be right there, <laughs> if it's okay. You mean this awkward moment, mom, mom and the, and the fisherman, please, if you don't mind, we would like. Jesus said, it's not for me to tell who sits there. This is why the other disciples were so irritated with them. Bible tells us, I love the Bible, it tells the whole story. These other disciples were so irritated with James and John for asking that. How could they? Who do they think they are? The right hand? Are you kidding? You ask? You know they talked about this afterwards. You took your mom? Excuse me. You had your mom ask Jesus? They knew how important that place was. The right hand. They knew. Paul says this in Romans 8. Oh, I love it. I love it. Romans 8, verse 34, it's on your paper. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Look at verse 35 of Romans 8. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he is no longer, does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with life? As the scripture says, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. We've got to shift just like those who are with Jesus in our thinking. We've got to let Jesus we got to, in our hearts and minds, believe that Jesus Christ rose again, that he's alive and he lives today. We're invited to the living, resurrected Christ. Not the one who died, but the one who rose again. That's the invitation. That's why in John 16, you see Jesus making this case. He said, listen, when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to convict you of righteousness. He's going to convict you of your living. He's going to convict you of how you're living now. He says, why? Verse 10 of John 16, righteousness is available. So we can live righteous lives before God. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. He says, I'm going to the Father. So the Holy Spirit who I send you has the right to convict you of unrighteousness. Convict you that you should live a righteous life because I'm going to the Father. That's what Jesus says. We can be held accountable for not living for him because there is a way for us to live for him. 
we are invited to live for him. Your, your life only began when you said, Jesus, come, save me. That's the beginning. And then we're invited to, the Holy Spirit is poured out on us, and we're invited to, to walk and live for Christ. Jesus sits at the right hand of God interceding for us. His spirit that has been poured out on us lives in us and convicts us. And this empowers us for this kind of lifestyle of righteousness that we're invited to. We're invited to victorious living. Stephen, one of the apostles who replaced Judas, you remember Judas betrayed him. And then they appointed two more disciples. Stephen, excuse me, was martyred. And before he was martyred, he preaches this amazing sermon about Moses. And again, just like Peter tells them all, you killed Jesus. <laughs> and, then, and then God did something amazing, gave him a vision where he saw the glory of God, the Bible tells us. Verse 55 of Acts 7 says, But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. This is before he was killed. God gave him this vision, saw the glory of God. And wait for it. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told him, look, I see the heavens open." And this is what really made them anger was that he told them, look, I am seeing God. <laughs> that infuriated them. I see God and Jesus standing at the right hand. And that's when they rushed them and killed them. Jesus, not sitting, but standing. Standing at the right hand of God. Can you just imagine what that was like? Stephen's about to be killed, but he knows where he's going. And he's, he's gazing and, and celebrating before he dies. I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the throne of God. That's our hope. Not just Stephen's. That's our hope too. And we're invited to, to gaze on his glory to know that he's alive. Jesus stands at the right hand. The resurrection of Jesus is our confidence and our hope for at least two reasons. We are being sanctified now before we die. And we will also be resurrected to eternal life when we die. We can live now and we're going to live for eternity. The resurrection is for us. It should be life transforming. It should alter our lives. Peter continues to preach in Acts chapter 2 when he, when he shares this reality that Jesus Christ was killed, that they killed him, that he died, he rose again, and the Holy Spirit is being poured out on us. The hearts of those listening to Peter's sermon, says the Bible says they were pierced. Their hearts were convicted. And they said, what must we do? Peter replied, each of you must repent and believe. Repent from your sins and turn to God. That's our invitation. Our invitation now, even now, is that we repent of our sins and we turn to God. We need to allow in our thinking, in our mind, to step into this miracle that Jesus Christ, yes, he died, but that he's alive today. Today's celebration is about this fact that Jesus Christ lives today. The step of faith is to repent of our sins and turn to God. Embrace this miracle and let living Jesus alter our lives he completely altered the lives of the doubting disciples. And you can't read Scripture and deny the fact that their lives were transformed. 
The book of Acts and following is this one story after another of how Jesus alters, the living Christ alters people's lives. Thousands begin to follow him because of what he did. We need to stop looking for, for life in dead things. We need to stop looking for the living among the dead. We need to stop spending our lives and committing our lives to those things that are doomed to kill us eventually, to ruin, to steal life from us and place our faith in the one that lives eternally. We need to allow Christ to move from being a prophet or a good teacher to the Savior of the world, the resurrected Savior, the God, the only God. We need to turn around in our faith and accept that Jesus is alive. Have our minds blown. Be filled by the Spirit and live with a new purpose directed by living God. We need to live in the reality of the resurrection. No longer cowards, but boldly and joyfully living and proclaiming the resurrection. This is the testimony and evidence of those who knew him. Peter, Peter's life was never the same. Can you and I, can we accept the resurrection today? Can we allow Christ to be alive in our lives? That's the invitation today. That's Easter. <laughs> That's the resurrection. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we love you. We thank you, Father, for your grace. Lord Jesus, we can be just like all of those who walked with you and who doubted that you rose again. Lord, we can keep you dead in our hearts and our minds, Father, and not accept it for us, for, for ourselves, and Lord, and live. Lord Jesus, we praise you, God, that you are living. Lord, that even now you hear us. Lord, you are present with us. Lord, your spirit has been poured out on us. And so, Father, we just praise you today. In your name I pray, amen. This is Rico Vecca, and I am also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today, and it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast. <laughs>